you as a property owner aren't responsive on maintenance, you're going to lose good tenants. And by losing good tenants, that's going to lead to the biggest expense you're going to have as a landlord, which is turnover, vacancy. You don't want that. So make sure you have the time to devote to your tenants' needs as it's coming up. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by Ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Welcome Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams, AAA. And guess who I'm here with? Mark Cunningham from Denver, Colorado. It's nice to have a local with me. Our office is probably about 15 minutes away from Mark's office. He runs Grace Property Management. And one of the neat things is that recently at the Think Realty gave him the award of Property Manager of the Year. So 2018, best property manager in the entire nation, at least in terms of what Think Realty sees. And I was talking to Mark and I was saying, Mark, what is it that kind of set you apart? And he said, one of the things is that they have a month-to-month agreement, which is very, very interesting. A lot of the other property managers are there saying, we need to tie you in for a year. You can't leave us. We're going to you know, do whatever we want and you can't leave us. So today, what we're really going to talk about is what if you want to run your own property management? What if you want to manage your own properties? There are four things that you're going to need to do and know in order to do that successfully. And Mark Cunningham's going to help us with that. But before we get started, Mark, can you just tell us why you got involved in real estate? When and why? Yeah, well, thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I kind of grew up in, in the real estate property management world. So my dad actually started our company, Grace Management, in 1978. So actually 40 years ago last month. So it was kind of a big deal for us. We just hit our 40-year anniversary. So I was employee number one because I was free child labor. So my dad would have me painting houses and mowing lawns and serving notices and showing properties and doing everything a kid probably should not do. But that kind of really gave me a unique look and view into real estate and into the, the property management and business side of things. So I'd, I'd work for him in my summers. I went to Colorado State University. I studied finance and real estate. And I got a call from my dad one day after I'd graduated. And, and he said, hey, I got to hire an agent. Job's yours if you want it. So I jumped at that opportunity. That was about 20 years ago. So we've kind of grown slow and steady since that point. So today we do, uh, we're agents, we're realtors, so we do sales. We do third-party property management. We buy and sell ourselves. So I'm an investor as well. Uh, we kind of follow the opportunity. That's our mantra. We do residential, we do commercial. We've got a team of about 20 folks. Uh, we manage about 800 doors here in the, the metro Denver area. Excellent. Okay, so of those 800, just let me kind of understand what are you managing? Or do you have one 800 plex or 800 no, no. houses or somewhere in between? Most of our stuff is single family. So we've got okay. some very small multifamily stuff. Uh, within that 800, some of that's commercial, uh, but most of it is single family. Perfect. So over the last 40 years, you've learned property management. And what we're going to get into today is what if I wanted to manage my own properties? What would I have to do or know to be able to do it successfully from somebody who has basically 40 years experience, 20 yeah. years licensed and uh, a lot a lot longer um, as, uh, as free child labor. All right. right. So, so let's get into them. What are the four things? So I think the, the first question that an individual needs to ask is, you know, gosh, should I hire a P, professional PM or do it myself? And a lot of folks would say, you've got to hire the professional PM. Uh, and, and I get that, but I don't think you have to. I think if you're an individual investor and you want to manage a property that you should consider it. So don't just default to this idea that 
every investor needs a professional property manager. So I, I don't think you, you do need that. But I think the first most important question to ask yourself if you're going to consider managing your own is, do I have the temperament for it? And by temperament, I mean, what am I going to do when the tenant calls me and says, hey, I can't pay rent this month? Am, am I going to flip out? Am I going to go crazy and start yelling at the guy? Am I going to crawl in a hole and say, oh, well, you know, just do what you can and I'm going to be overly nice? And what we find is landlords that do hire us often find themselves on one extreme of that temperament side of things. They, we all want to be nice, right? It's hard to manage your own property if you're overly sympathetic. And that's a fine line to walk. I, I own properties myself and I have trouble as an experienced property manager when I'm talking to my own tenants because I want to play the nice guy. And if so, I, I don't talk with them. <laughs> I don't manage my own properties. I have my company do it. Because I know if my tenant calls me and says, Mark, I'm going to pay late this month. Can't you please waive that late fee? I want to be the nice guy and I want to say yes. So my company can play the mean property management company and have that policy in place. But you've got to have the temperament, number one, to be able to manage. So I want to piggyback off that. I, was, I started out by managing property. Uh, when I knew, well, actually, I flipped a piece of land, yes. But then when I said, I want to get into multifamily and I want to own multifamily and this is really what I want to do, I decided that I needed to start managing properties first. So I managed an 18-plex, a 4-plex in someone's condo. I was not licensed, but I lived in one of the units. And at least in Utah, that is totally fine. You can live in one of the units, be an employee, and everything's square. So I did that. And I was pretty good property manager. I brought that, that 18 plex that we ended up selling it for uh, almost twice of what he paid for it in just one year. And I had to do things like collect rent and, and I was kind of a hard A, you know, I, I, did, I was kind, but kind, but with, you know, carrying a big stick or whatever you would want to say. That temperament, I had it just fine. So I said, I've got this. And then I went and bought my own multifamily. And it was much, much harder. Once it was my own, I, just like what you said to just a, a moment ago, Mark, is, is when you had your own property and uh, one of your tenants asks you, hey, can I pay late this, this month or whatever? It's like, ah, oh, you want to be the nice guy. Mm -hmm. And it actually really, really hurt me. It actually just, I have an old friend, somebody who was a friend and now they owe me 7,000 plus dollars. They're not a friend anymore. And every time that I, I tell somebody else how to solve this problem, I always say, you just don't need to even manage your own properties. But what you're saying is if you know that you have the right temperament, if you know that you can uh, do it well, then maybe it's different. I, I also say don't, re uh, don't rent out to your friends because, yeah, I've got somebody who's no longer a friend. But yep. that, is, that is very, very good insight, uh, the temperament, making sure that you know that you'll be able to do it. And it sounds easy at first, but when you're put in the position and your tenant comes up, hey, I can, I can pay you Friday or hey, I'm, it's a really hard month. Can you waive the late fee? Well, as soon as you do those things, then you're kind of getting yourself into trouble. And I think we're going to get into that as well. So, yeah. all right, what's, what's yeah. next? Okay, go yeah. ahead. Well, just to comment on one thing you said there, you know, we've had owners that will hire us and they'll come back to us and want to hire us. And they'll say, well, I didn't think I needed you because I was renting to a friend. And so therefore, I didn't think I needed you. And that, as you just said, that will come back to bite you so often. So I would say, if you're running to a friend, that's when you probably really do need to hire a professional property manager. Because <laughs> now you're mixing the business with the relationship. And that's where it gets really, really sticky. So we've been hired by a lot of owners, clients to, uh, to evict friends 
unfortunately, to evict children, to, <laughs> to evict mm-hmm. spouses. Uh, so that's, that's not uncommon. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay, temperament. What's next? Second thing would be knowledge. And by knowledge, I mean, do you know your state rules, your state laws? It's getting more and more important to ensure that you're managing a property under the proper guidance of whatever state you're in. Uh, Colorado is becoming more and more of a tenant-friendly state. HUD is becoming more and more active as it relates to fair housing, things that are going on that way. And so it's very important that as if you're going to be an owner, you need to understand what the rules and regs are. So for example, tenant screening, right? Owners will often call us up and say, so I want, to, I want you guys to manage my property, but they'll say, I want, I as the owner, I want to be involved in the selection of the tenant, and, and which we don't allow. We say, you know, we'll tell you when we get it rented and we'll tell you it is rented, but we don't involve you in the selection. They'll say, well, gosh, it's, it's my property. Like, shouldn't I have a say in that? Can't you make an exception? And so my, my pat answer is always, you know what? I'll tell you what, I'll go ahead and make an exception this one time for you, but I just have one quick question for you. Can you tell me how many federally protected classes of tenants there are and what they are? And of course, nobody, they don't know. You know? And if they, if they guessed right though, if they happen to say, well, I think there's seven and they got it right, I'd say, oh, that's great. Can you tell me the additional protected classes in Colorado? Because you better know that. If you're gonna be a renting to tenants, you better be aware of that. You better be aware that if someone says they have a service animal, You've got to handle that in a specific way. If they have an emotional support animal, which is a big deal right now in our industry, that you can't, for example, say, okay, fine, I'll allow it, but I'm going to charge an extra deposit. Well, if they pick up the phone and call HUD, you just lost your property. So mm. there are so many things that, that, that really are the scary side of property management. And I don't want to be a fear monger, but you've got to be aware of that stuff. Because if you do something wrong and that tenant gets upset and makes a phone call to the state, to the civil rights division, to HUD, uh, to the Department of Regulatory Agency, any of those places, that is going to be big trouble. So one of the things that I kind of alluded to when we were talking about temperament and when a property uh, tenant comes up to you and says something like, hey, can you waive the late fee? I'm j- it's just hard times. Can you just waive the late fee? If you do that, isn't there something to do with fair housing and what you'd have to do with all your other tenants? Potentially, yeah. So, so the argument is, let's see, you have two tenants and they both come in and ask you to waive the late fee. And so for the first one, you're feeling nice and, and you say, no problem, I'll go ahead and waive that. And tenant number two comes in and says, hey, will you waive the late fee? And you think, well, geez, I just waived it on the other one. I can't, I can't do this every time. And you say, no, I'm not going to waive your late fee. Well, and it just so happens that tenant number two, who you did not waive the late fee on, is a member of, of protected status. So now potentially, you've just committed a, a fair housing violation. And if that tenant that tenant number two finds out that you waived the late fee on tenant number one, and they make a call to somebody, that is going to open an investigation. So yeah, it is very um, appropriate to say as a policy, we do not waive late fees. Okay. And, and, and in order to abide by fair housing laws, I can't. I'm sorry, but I can't waive your late fee. Perfect. I I really appreciate you going into that. Let's before we go to the next one. So we got through temperament. We're talking a little bit about knowledge. But what's another th- what's another piece of knowledge that you know a lot of uh, self managing owners mistakenly do in Colorado? One of the things I think would be they don't use the proper documentation for a lease. You don't want to download some lease off the internet. You're going to get yourself in in big, big trouble by doing that, that type of thing. So use an attorney, have an attorney draw up a lease agreement for you. Number one, number two, you want to make sure that you're using uh, one important addendum that's required by law 
which is the lead-based paint addendum. So for any property built prior to 78, the HUD, or excuse me, uh, the feds say, you have to have a lead-based paint addendum. You've got to give them a flyer on what lead-based paint is. You have to sign off stating whether you have knowledge of lead-based paint or not. They have to sign off on that. A lot of landlords don't do that. And if you don't do that, the violations that come back to you are, are, are very substantial uh, in the form of monetary violations. So get those addendums in place. The big, third big thing I see that landlords make mistakes on is uh, service animals. They just say, no, we don't take service animals. So you've got to proceed with super caution if you hear those red flags of service animals or emotional support animals. And I'll, and I'll give you one more on the security deposit return. In Colorado, we have 30 days per Colorado state law to return the security deposit of a tenant who is vacated unless your lease specifically states you have 60 days. So you've got 30 or 60, depending on what your lease says. But if you miss that deadline, if you just forget to send out the letter, the security deposit letter, or you miss it by a day, you send it on day 61 instead of day 60 or day 31, Colorado state law says by missing that deadline, you have forfeited any right to retain any of the security deposit and you now have to pay treble damages, three times the amount of the deposit, back to the tenant. Case closed. Nothing else matters. Mm. So if you miss that deadline, even if they owe you 10 grand, if they leave and they owe you 10 grand, but you think, well, they owe me 10 grand, I'm, not gonna, I'm just not going to bother sending the deposit return statement, you've, you've forfeited your right to retain any of that money. And what about if you charge for labor for what you're doing as a mm. landlord where you say, oh, my time's worth 10 or 15 or $20 an hour? Well, unfortunately, the state of Colorado would disagree. And the state says your time as a landlord is worth exactly zero. So what that means logistically is if, if you're hiring me as a property manager and your property turns over and it goes vacant, you say, uh, Mark, send in a painter to, to paint it. So we send in a painter and the painter charges 500 bucks and it's tenant damage, let's say. So we're going to bill that back to the tenant, $500. If you, Mr. Owner, say, well, you know what? I don't want to pay 500 bucks. I'm going to go in and do it myself. And then I'm just going to bill that $500 back to the tenant. No, no, no. You can't do that because Colorado state law says that your time, if you own it, you may not charge for your time. So if you're in there, you can charge for your materials, but your time would be back billed to the tenant at exactly zero dollars. Doesn't awesome. seem real fair, but that's just, <laughs> that's just the law. All right. So temperament, very important. Knowledge, very, very, very important. What's next? Time. You've got to have the time to be able to invest into your property. Now, depending on how many properties an investor has, depending on the, the level of um, activity needed in the property. Is it a multifamily? Is it a single family? What type of property is it? But you have to be able to commit the time needed to your tenant because tenants want things fast. So if the hot water heater stops working and goes out, it is not acceptable for you to get back to them at the end of business. They want to know what's going on. And if you want to keep your tenant in place, you need to make sure that you're being very, very responsive. So, so studies show every single year, there's all these surveys done on what makes good tenants move. Why do good tenants leave? These national studies. And the number one reason every year in these surveys that good tenants give for the reason they move when their lease is up is poor service on maintenance. Poor service on maintenance. That means if you as a property owner aren't responsive on maintenance, you're going to lose good tenants. And by losing good tenants, that's going to lead to the biggest expense you're going to have as a landlord, which is turnover, vacancy. You don't want that. So make sure you have the time to devote to your tenants' needs as it's coming up and make sure you have the time to devote to things like turnover. You know, we've had owners that'll say, well, 
you know, gosh, I don't want to pay for that paint job uh, on a turnover. So I'm going to go in and do it myself, but I can't get to it for two weeks. Well, you just you know, do it, run the numbers. You just lost two weeks worth of rent on those things. So you've got to make sure that you're able to devote the time to the property when it's vacant. You're able to devote the time to show the property when it's vacant. You're able to devote the time to your tenant once a tenant's in place. You can't just place the tenant and forget about it. You've got to be accessible 24-7. Okay, Mark, I have a question based on this time and the responsiveness and turnover. The first question, the main question that I want to ask is, what's the average rent of the properties you're managing today? What's the average rent amount? Our average rent's probably 18, 1900 bucks. Okay. So the average rent amount is $1,900. Great. What is your average property management fee? It varies a little bit based upon the property, where it's at and all that type of thing, but it's going to be somewhere between that eight and 10% range. Okay. Well, let me do this. So, so just to make it easy on me, I'm just going to go 2,200. Is that okay? That's fair, fair enough. Okay. And, and I know that your numbers are better than that, but so just let me do say this. It's mm-hmm. 2,000 and it's $200. How much does turnover cost a somebody if they don't have the time to be responsive and they have to have a turnover every single year or even more frequently than that? How much is it going to cost them? Well, you, let's, let's look at those numbers. You figure it's probably going to take the, the average time on a turn for most of our um, self-managing owners from what we see is about 30 to 40 days. So that means from the day the tenant moves out, owner gets in there, the next weekend, <laughs> does the work, takes another weekend to get it done, gets property up and listed, shows it a couple times, process some applications, signs a lease, the tenant doesn't move in for another week after that. So it's, it's probably in that 40 day range and it's, and it's very dependent upon the time of the year as well. So if it's June, it's gonna be less than that. If it's December, it's probably gonna be more than that. So it, it's hard to give an average on that, but they're gonna be looking for, for over one month, which means if your property's renting for two grand a month, that that 30 days at a minimum, even if you didn't spend a penny on fixing anything, which you will, and if you didn't spend a penny on advertising, which you will, you just lost two grand. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Ecospace Real Estate. Ecospace is a Denver, Colorado-based real estate company with a national reach. They provide a unique offering called Flip Your Home, where they utilize their own internal fix and flip crews to flip their clients' homes prior listings. Their brokerage clients gain on average 23000 of instant equity, which is then taken 100% tax-free. If you'd like to learn more about gaining additional tax-free equity in your home prior to listing, then please visit ecospace.com. Okay. And then what about all we're talking about now is the loss to lease. Um, what about the additional uh, fix-up costs, carpets, whatever you're going to have to do in order to turn that over? What are the other additional costs for a turnover? Well, the only cost that I think you're going to have each and every time, regardless of the quality of the condition that the property was left in, is the, pro- is the cost to have a locksmith go out and rekey the property. You know, you, and this, we can kind of circle back to the, some of the things you said, uh, common mistakes landlords make. It is not required by Colorado state law to have locks rekeyed between turnovers. It's not required by law, but it is certainly expected and it's the best practice. So mm-hmm. you absolutely want to be changing the locks. So you're going to have, even if the tenant moves out and it's beautiful, you don't need to touch a thing. You're going to want to have that done. Uh, the other thing you're going to want to do is test 
all the COs, the CO detectors and the smoke detectors. You're probably going to want to replace batteries in there. So you're going to have those costs at a minimum. Now, life expectancy for things like carpet, paint, um, it, it's hard to give an average on that because we'll have properties where we go in. If the tenant's been there for 10 years, yeah, we're doing carpet, we're doing paint. We may have to replace the refrigerator. We're going we're gonna to spend a couple thousand bucks. We've got other units where if tenants move out and they leave in good condition, we won't spend a penny uh, other than those locks. So I don't, I don't like committing to a, an average on that. It's probably better to use from the, the mathematical side to use the, the mean. You know, <laughs> we go back okay. to high school math, right? Because uh, on some of those deals, you're spending a lot of money. And on other terms, you're not going to spend anything. But on average, if you're looking at maintenance, what you should expect to spend on maintenance we always tell our owners to expect to spend one month of rental income per year on maintenance. So if your property is renting for two grand a, year, a month, you're probably going to spend over the course of time an average of $2,000 a year on maintenance of the property. Now, some years it may be zero, other years it may be more, but over the course of time, that will average out to one month of rent. Okay. So... Based on some of what you just said, I might be projecting a little bit and I'm sorry if I am, but it sounds like if you were able to be extremely responsive and fix those water heaters right when they went out, that you would often be able to save your 30 to 40 days of rent and you'd be able to save on a locksmith and perhaps the painter and perhaps the cleaner and perhaps the carpet person. So if the rent was 2000 a turnover may cost anywhere from two to five thousand, kind of like a mean two to five thousand, and which is already a month or two, which maybe a month to three. So if you had a way of being more responsive, if you could really, really do that, you'd you'd be able to actually save yourself quite a bit of money. Yes, absolutely. You know, the the record we have internally for the longest tenant in one property has been thirty years. We had one tenant in one property for thirty years. So wow. think about that. I mean, if that tenant, compare that to a property where maybe you have a tenant that moves every year. I mean, how, many, how much money did that owner client save by keeping that tenant in place, keeping them happy and taking care of them? They literally paid for the guy's mortgage. Awesome. So with that, with that said, if, if you're not going to be able to be responsive, you could save yourself quite a bit of money if all you paid was eight or 10% a month. Absolutely. If you okay. can't be responsive, if you just don't have the time to devote then absolutely pay the property management company whatever they want so that they can avoid some of that turnover, be responsive to the tenant, take care of the tenants, because we got to take care of those tenants. Take care of the tenant, keep the tenant happy. That is money well spent if you don't have the time. All right. So we talked about temperament and the, the cost of being nice. We talked about knowledge, which kind of is screening the leases, the 1978 addendum, service animal security deposit returns on, on time. We talked about time being responsive and how much a turnover really costs. What's the fourth thing that we were going to discuss today, Mark? I think the last thing that we tell owners to do if they're going to manage it themselves is to be business minded. You've got to think as if you are, you are a property manager. You are a property management business. You're running a business because it is. At the end of the day, the thing is a business. So you can't come in with the mindset of, oh, I've just you know, got this little condo and I'm just going to rent it out. No, 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 no. You are now running a business. And so that means, and some of this encompasses the things we've just talked about, but you've got to bring all of your, your business acumen, however deep that is, <laughs> 
to the process to be sure that you're treating your vendors in a business relationship, you're treating your tenants as if they're in a business relationship, you're treating everybody that goes to the property as if it's a business relationship. Because if you don't treat it as a business relationship, that's where you're gonna get yourself in trouble. You're gonna paint yourself in a corner, you're gonna make a mistake uh, that's gonna cost you. You've gotta make sure that you're, you're uh, running it through some type of accounting software, right? You're paying your bills on that software, you're tracking those things, you're keeping track of your expenses, you're giving that to your tax guy, he's running it uh, separately, you're taking advantage of, advantage of depreciation, got to make sure that you're running it like a business. Otherwise, it's not going to financially pay off the way you want it to pay off. All, all very, very good stuff. All right. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with one last question. Tell me if this describes you. You purchased a property, okay, a rental for its passive income. And then you realize later that it wasn't really passive. Now, was it? So there is one solution. And that is the only way that I know that you can actually be passive. I'm passively invested in 400 and something doors. And uh, I love it. I love those real estate investments of mine because I don't have to do anything. It's the only actual passive investments that I have. And I have hundreds of other doors that I have to work really hard at. It's not really passive. And if you want that solution as well, and if you'd like to partner with Blue Spruce Holdings, we have opportunities right now for accredited investors. So you can go to the show notes and schedule time, book a time just to chat with me and see if becoming an actually <laughs> passive, passive investor works for you and your real estate goals. All right, so we're back. So I was saving this question for the very end, and I think that it'll be a good one to finish on Mark, what's, what's the biggest mistake you, you see owners make when they're managing their own properties? Yeah. The, the benefit of us is we've been able to work with literally thousands and thousands of investors over a 40-year period. So we've seen what works well. We've seen what property types are wise to invest in, what property types don't work so well. We've seen a lot of investors succeed in big ways. We've seen a lot of investors fail. I would say the one common point of failure for every owner investor we've seen that did fail, they all have one thing in common. And it's not intelligence. It's not work ethic. It's not the type of property they bought. It's not what class it is. None of that, that matters, but that's not the point of commonality. The point of commonality and failure is over leverage. You borrow too much money because things will go wrong. And if you have no, just imagine if you had no debt on a property. If you have no debt on a property, you can withstand just about anything. It may hurt your pocketbook a little bit, but you can battle through it. But if you get a call from a property manager, your property manager, and they say, hey, bad news. And I always tell our clients, if, look, if you see my number on caller ID, you better sit down because I don't call with good news. So when I call you and I say, hey, bad news, that tenant, yeah, they, they walked. They're done. They just walked away. And the hot water heater went out. Happened to go out at the same time. And we've got to do carpet. We've got to do paint. And we had to evict them. So we were missing some rent there. So I need a check for eight grand from you. I mean, eventually, if you manage property long enough, you're going to get that call. You're going to have to do that. And if you have no escrow reserve, no cash reserve, savings account set aside, and now you're trying to make a mortgage payment on top of that that you really can't afford, you're going to lose the property. So we encourage all of our investors not to over leverage on this stuff and to have a savings reserve set aside equal to three months worth of rent. Because Great. eventually you're going to need to dip into that. Love it. Thank you. All right. Leverage. It's not what I thought you'd say, but I love it. I really appreciate it. And I know you have on your website, you've got some free info. So if somebody anywhere in the country wants to kind of understand 
some of the things that may help them as a, as a self-managing owner for their properties. You've got a website that they can go to. So could you share that website right now for the listener? Yeah, our company website is Rent, so that's R-E-N-T, Rent Grace, that's our company name, rentgrace.com. And we've got a tab on there, we've got a page, we call it our Learning Center. And whether clients work with us or not, we want them to be successful. So we have a lot of uh, video tutorial information, we've got some downloads on there where clients can go in and if they're gonna self-manage, we will give them a lot of advice on how to still be successful even if you don't work with us. And, and uh, I think a lot of your, your Listeners would find that information useful. It's a lot of the stuff we're talking about right now. Perfect. So if we want to learn a little bit more about what we can do to protect ourselves as a landlord if, and self-managing, we go to rentgrace.com, R-E-N-T-G-R-A-C-E.com. And then we find the Learning Center tab. There's videos and everything. Awesome. Yep. Mark Cunningham. Also, I, let me ask you this. Is your, is your contact information on that website and or do you want to give it out to the listener? Yep. Best way to contact us is right through that website. Perfect. All right. I love it. I really appreciate your time. You add a lot of value to me and to the listener. Until next time, Mark, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.